Thanks, Chris. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you uh, for the chance to gather and to worship, um, to be reminded of truth, to be reminded that you are with us and that you're good to us and that we have everything we need in you, including grace and mercy and forgiveness. Uh, as we open your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. And we ask all of it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Nick Smith. I am one of the elders here at White Rock Fellowship, uh, and I have preached here over the years. I've preached here uh, lots of times, but uh, this morning is the first time that I have preached here uh, without Jeff Fritchie as the lead pastor. Uh, as many of you, or most of you, if not all of you know, um, today is the start of a transition uh, for us. Uh, it's a bit of an in-between time. Um, a time where we are waiting to see what God has in store for us, who he will bring to us as our next lead pastor. Uh, But that doesn't mean that discipleship stops. All of our ministries, all of our programs, they look the same today as they did seven days ago. Uh, It doesn't mean uh, that our mission stops. We're going to continue to declare and demonstrate the gospel just like we did uh, seven days ago. But even though discipleship continues, even though mission continues, uh, the reality is we are entering into a time of transition uh, and a time of waiting. And I think where we are this morning in the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 10, uh, I I think it is perfectly timed. Uh, We all say that God's timing is perfect Uh, And and I think the timing of this passage definitely is. This sermon schedule was set months ago. Uh, This sermon schedule was set by Jeff before Jeff knew that that he was going to be called elsewhere. And and when we set this uh, sermon schedule, we had no idea that that Nehemiah 10 uh, was going to be the passage that we needed this morning. But God knew. And so today's message, uh, there's two parts. There's two parts. First, there's an encouragement, uh, and then there's an exhortation. An encouragement and an exhortation. And so first, the encouragement. And and the encouragement really ties back to Nehemiah's chapter 1 through 6. It's not really about Nehemiah chapter 10. That will come when we get to the exhortation piece. But first, an encouragement. And let's start by situating ourselves once again in the, in the book of Nehemiah and kind of what all's been going on, reminding us where we've been. And so in the beginning, right, Nehemiah learns about what's going on in Jerusalem. He learns about the situation, and it's not good. The situation in, in Jerusalem is a little bleak. The walls are broken. Uh, the gates are destroyed. The people feel shame. And the people are def- defenseless. The majority of Israelites... They're actually not even there. They're in exile. And walls, uh, as we've talked about, were a big deal. Because walls represented protection. Walls represented a fortification. And so without walls, cities were defenseless. They were vulnerable. Vulnerable to the attacks of enemies. And so Nehemiah sees this. He cries out to God. And God gives Nehemiah a vision to return. And restore the walls. And so Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem. He inspects the wall. He rallies the people together. He casts vision. And people start to get excited once again. And we see the people uh, come together as a team. 
And we see them as one community start to rebuild the wall. We see the high priests and the goldsmiths, the perfumers, the rulers, everybody coming together with a common goal. And they face some opposition along the way, but they're not faced because they know God is with them. And so they're not faced. And after a couple of months, they finish the wall. They finish the wall, and it's super exciting. They can live in, in Jerusalem safely again. There's energy, there's joy, there's excitement. Jerusalem can be repopulated. They can grow once again. They can flourish once again. Exiles start coming back. Ezra reads the law. They celebrate the Feast of Booths. They worship. It's an exciting time. And that brings us to where we are in Nehemiah chapter 10. And not to be overly dramatic, uh, but for some of us, maybe many of us, if we're honest, uh, White Rock Fellowship, it, it might not feel like an exciting time. It might not feel like a joyful time. It might not feel like an encouraging time. In fact, for some, it might feel like our wall was just torn down. Rather than being built, it might feel like it was just torn down. When I first started thinking about this message, this sermon, that was actually my first thought, to talk about, okay, now it's time to rebuild our wall. Because for some of us, it probably feels like we're in exile again, grieving, starting over. Thinking we're not in Nehemiah chapter 10, maybe we're all the way back in the beginning of Nehemiah when the wall is torn down. So why would I say it's encouraging and providential for us to be in Nehemiah chapter 10? Because it hit me, even though that's where I started in my thinking, it hit me where the Lord really probably put it upon my heart. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Our walls haven't just been torn down. Our walls are built. Our walls are in place. God has been faithful to White Rock Fellowship. He has been faithful to build up our walls over the last 10, 11, 12 years. And we aren't starting over. We're continuing to build upon the foundation that has been laid, the walls that have been built over the last 11 to 12 years. And if you know me, uh, you know that I am not um, always the most optimistic person. I'm not like, I don't live in a dream world. I'm not like this Pollyanna pie in the sky type person. If you, you definitely, if you know me, you definitely say on the, on the glass half empty or half full spectrum, I definitely land on the glass half empty side of the spectrum. Optimists, those of you who are optimists, you, if you knew me, know me, you think I'm a pessimist. I say I'm a realist, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Church, it's really sad that Fritchies are gone, but we still have so much to celebrate. The last 11 years are one phase of an exciting work that God has been doing and will continue to do in and through White Rock Fellowship. And it's okay to be sad. And it's normal to feel a little unease and a little uncertainty in a time of transition because we don't know the future. And so it's normal to feel some unease and uncertainty. But there is still much to be grateful for and encouraged about and excited about. And so remember, walls represented protection. They represented strength, defense, fortitude. And so if these last 11 to 12 years have been the building of our walls, 
that begs the question, what are our walls, metaphorically speaking? And there are two things I want to point out. Two things I want to point out. One, our walls are, are built around Jesus. Simply put, Jesus, the gospel. And then two, our wall is built around the goodness of God's sovereignty. The goodness of God's sovereignty. Those two pillars protect us. Those two pillars strengthen us. Those two pillars hem us in. They keep the enemy at bay so that we as a people can flourish, no matter what comes our way. The Apostle Paul, uh, he planted the church in Corinth. Uh, He planted lots of churches uh, that we see throughout the New Testament, but he plants the church in Corinth, and then Paul has to leave. Happened to all the churches he planted. He planted, and eventually he left. And in Corinth, at some point, Apollos comes along and teaches in in, in Corinth. And so you had this situation where some were saying they followed Paul's teachings, and some were saying they were following Apollos' teaching. And so Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He writes, For one, one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servant through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master, I build, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so church, I, I love Jeff. I loved working with Jeff. I had the chance to work alongside him for six years. And then I had a chance to labor alongside him for two more years as an elder. But this house was not built upon a man, nor was this house built by a man. Pastors, they're going to come and go. Partners, members, you're going to come and go. Staff, they're going to come and go. Elders, we're going to come and go. But Jesus will never come and go. He's constant. He is our rock. He is our foundation. This church was not built around a man. This church was not built upon the shifting sands of culture. This church was not built upon entertainment. This church was not built upon a political agenda. It was built upon Jesus, the solid rock, the fortress, our wall of protection. And that means we can withstand any storm, any attack. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, Jesus says, uh, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so one, our wall of protection and security is Jesus. Two, Our wall of protection and security is the goodness of God's sovereignty. The goodness of God's sovereignty. Now, I know sovereignty uh, is a big, uh, often intimidating 
theological word, but the reality is it's really comforting. God's sovereignty is really incredibly comforting. And so Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, how can Paul say that? Because God is in control of everything. Because God is sovereign over everything, and he is moving and working all things for the good of those who love him. And God knew that Jeff was going to finish his call here at White Rock Fellowship and and be called elsewhere. God knew that we were going to need a new lead pastor. And his plan is good. We may not understand it. We don't need to understand it. His plan is good. He's working all things for the good of those who love him. Now, we have no idea what that's going to look like. Right? We have no idea. It could mean that we are waiting a long time for a new lead pastor. I hope not. I really, really hope not. But it might. It might mean that we get smaller. Or it might mean we get bigger. We have no idea. We have no idea what God's plan is for White and Rock Fellowship. But we do know that his plan is good. We do know that his sovereignty is good for you, for me, and for all the people of White and Rock Fellowship. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord has brought us into a new phase, uh, but he is not done with White Rock Fellowship. He's not done with us. Church, our walls are built and they are impenetrable. They are solid because our walls are built on Jesus and the goodness of God's sovereignty. And that's never going to change. The staff, the elders, to the degree that it's within our power, we promise you that will never change. None of us like change. Me being the foremost, I hate change. But we're not changing. The core of who we are is not changing. Our foundation is not changing. And so I think we can be encouraged by what God has done, by how faithful he has been, and how faithful he is going to be. I truly believe this is an exciting time, that we have an opportunity before us, scary at the same time, but exciting. But we still have a part to play each of us, because we must tend to those walls that have been built. You have to tend to walls, or eventually they'll crumble. And that brings us to the second part of our message, which is the exhortation. And so when we get to chapter 8 in the book of Nehemiah, chapters 8, 9, and 10, the walls of protection, the walls around Jerusalem, they are built. It's finished. And so after the wall is built, Chapters 8 through 10, they're really about, all about covenant renewal. Covenant renewal between the people of God and God. And so in chapter 8, the law of God is read. The whole thing. They're there for three hours listening to the law of God be read. And then in chapter 9, we see the people confessing their sins. Confessing their tendency to wander, to stray, to rebel, to disobey. And then in the last verse of chapter 9, 
in light of all that, in light of their faithfulness, uh, God's faithfulness, in light of their sin, in light of who God is, at, at the very end of chapter 9, they enter into a covenant. They renew their covenant with God. And so look at it, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38. Read it with me if you have your Bible. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document of the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. And then chapter 10 lays out what they commit to. Chapter 10 lays out what all they are committing to. And there are three things uh, that I want to point out this morning about this covenant renewal. Three things I want to point out. One, first, it's the entire community that takes part in this commitment. The entire community that's part of this covenant renewal. It's not just the elders. It's not just the priest. It's every single person. Everybody. Look at it. Verse 28 and 29 of chapter 10. So Nehemiah 9.38, it says, Because of all this, we make a firm covenant uh, in writing. The names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. And then in chapter 10, verse 28, it says, The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the people of the lands, the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, Join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God. And so who is involved? That's pretty much everybody. Everyone. Second. So one, it's the entire community. Two, collectively, they committed They committed to obey God's law, to submit themselves to his law and observe his commandments. Verse 29 again of chapter 10. They join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his his rules and his statutes. Church, we must submit to God's word. We must submit to his good wise commands. So one, it takes the entire community. Two, they they committed uh, to God's word and his commandments. Three, they committed to not neglect the house of God. And so look at the very end of chapter 10. The very last sentence in chapter 10, which is the very end of this covenant renewal, they say, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. They commit to not neglect it. And in the verses right before, in chapter 10, verses 32 through 39, they're about, all about them bringing their tithes and their offerings to care for the house of God. Now, I um, have a tendency to qualify um, everything I say because I just think life is nuanced, right? Life is nuanced. It's difficult to apply the situation the same to everybody. And so I'm going to add one qualification before we try to apply these three things to our lives. One qualification. I want to say it here at the front end, um, but know that this qualification uh, stays true throughout what I'm going to say here in a second. Um, We have absolutely zero desire uh, to guilt or pressure anybody into staying in YRI Fellowship. We just don't want to do that. Um, We recognize this is a significant time of transition for us as a church. Um, And if the Lord is calling you elsewhere, we get it. If you prayerfully think the Lord is calling you to worship somewhere else, we want you to feel the freedom to go. 
We understand that some of you are going to be led elsewhere, and that's okay. This passage uh, could easily be turned, in, <laughs> turned into a guilt trip, which was, which was my first thought, but uh, that's, not, that's not our heart. We don't want to do that. So with that said, I would ask each of us to make a similar commitment to each other and to the Lord. And so that means, one, it's not just staff and elders that we need. Now or really ever. It means we need all of us. That means we need you. Each of you. Whether you're young or old, whether you're gifted at teaching or whether you're gifted at administrating, whether you're type A or type B, I don't, it doesn't matter. God has given each of us a unique personality and gift set, and we need all of it. So one, <laughs> we need all of us. Two, like the Israelites in Nehemiah chapter 10, we must commit to submit ourselves to and obey God's word. It is so easy to um, get tossed back and forth by the waves of culture. It's so easy to get pulled to and fro by the, by the currents of the world. And if we do that, our walls are going to crack. If we do that, our walls are going to crumble. But if we commit to knowing the Lord, if we commit to knowing his word, trusting his commands, trusting his, the goodness of all of his plans, then we will never be shaken. Now, I realize this in the first service that I actually do, I have a second qualification, but <laughs> I'm not saying that White Rock as a fellowship as an organization is never going to struggle. I'm not saying we're never going to, you know, weaken. But I am saying that White Rock Fellowship as a people, we will never be defeated if we get, keep our eyes on Jesus. Another way of saying that, right, is we have the opportunity, we get to choose whether we live inside the walls that have been built or outside the walls that have been built. It's our choice. Whether we get to live inside the walls that are built around Jesus and the goodness of his sovereignty, or if we want to choose to live outside those walls. But if we stay inside those walls, we as individuals and we as a community, as a people, we can flourish no matter what comes our way. And then three, um, just like the Israelites, I would ask that we commit to not neglect the house of our God. To not neglect the house of God. And the opposite of neglect is to look after, to care for, to cherish, to tend to. And in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 32 through 39, that, that largely meant tithes and offerings. Well, guess what? It still means that. We still need your tithes and offerings. In this season, we're going to need people to commit to continue giving financially to support the well-being of this church. Some of us might even be called and led to give more if we're able to give more than we've been given. But it also means giving of your time, your talents. It takes a lot of volunteers to, to do what we do here, to bless this church, this community, and the people around us. So we're going to need some to continue to lead community groups. 
We're going to need some to participate in and help lead with men's discipleship, women's Bible study. We're going to need some to, to help greet on a Sunday morning, some to run slides. We're going to need some to keep teaching our kids over there and raise up the next generation to help with students on Wednesday nights. And it means we're going to need all of us to be praying. Praying for the next lead pastor. Praying for our staff in this time of transition. Praying for each other. The reality is we need each other. This body needs each of us, all of us, to help point each other towards Jesus. And if it takes a long time to find a lead pastor, I promise you, I'm going to need you to remind me of what I am saying this day. Church, I think we all believe, most of us here, that God has built something special here. It's not perfect. We don't think we're perfect. We're never going to claim to be perfect. But we do think the church, that God is building something special here. And so like the Israelites in Nehemiah chapter 10, let's commit to not neglect it. But rather to cherish it, to tend to it, and to keep those walls strong. God was faithful to the Israelites in the book of Nehemiah. He has been faithful to us, and he's going to continue to be faithful to us. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will never forsake us. And if we trust in the goodness of his sovereign plan, then we will never be shaken. And if we commit to continue living inside those walls, we're protected. And if we commit to seek the well-being of White Rock Fellowship, of the house of God, White Rock Fellowship can continue to flourish no matter what comes our way. But it's going to take all of us, not just a few leaders. And so we must collectively, as a people, commit to these things to submit to God's word, and to not neglect the house of God. And so in encouragement, our walls are built. Our walls are solid. Our walls are secure. And I'm excited to see how the Lord continues to build the city inside those walls that have been built. And an exhortation. Let's all of us commit to each other and to the Lord to cherish those walls and tend to them. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for um, your faithfulness to us individually and as a people. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your sovereignty. The fact that we don't know the future, but you do. Um, And that your plan is good. No matter what happens, Your plan is good and that you are working all things for the good of those who love you. But Lord, we confess our tendency to um, try to control in times of uncertainty. We we confess our tendency to feel anxious when we can't see the future. And so Lord, we ask you uh, to help us to trust. Help us to trust in who you are, your faithfulness, your goodness, your sovereignty. Help us as a people to keep our eyes upon Jesus And help us as a people to not neglect your church that you have given to each of us as a blessing. And we ask all of it in Christ's name. Amen.